So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. So today we're going to be talking about business growing pains. And I read this article online at entrepreneur.com. It was written by Samuel Edwards, and it's titled The Nine Growing Pains Entrepreneurs Need to Overcome. And I just thought this was just a fabulous article. Um, I read a lot of different articles all the time. I'm reading just all the time. Any time of spare time I get, I normally like to um, sit down and read. And so I read this article, and I'm going to go through this article with you guys today because it's just such a really great article. And uh, this is for all the entrepreneurs out there. This is for anybody that has their own business. And so this is really great, and it's just talking about the growing pains that we have in our business. So the first one is getting overwhelmed by growth. For entrepreneurs with successful ideas or startups, there's always pressure to grow and expand. It's just a mindset of the 21st century entrepreneur. You come up with an idea, you launch it, you grow it. Most entrepreneurs want the biggest enterprise they can build. And yet, they want it as quickly as possible. While there is nothing wrong with growth, you have to be careful with how and when you pursue it. As Entrepreneurs.com contributor Robert Kiyosaka writes, just because successful building a small business doesn't mean you're successful building a a big business. Let me read that again. Just because you're successful building a small business doesn't mean you're successful at building a big business. In other words, some entrepreneurs and businesses are better suited for smaller scale operations. Every entrepreneur will eventually have to deal with the growing pains of expansion. It is up to you to determine whether or not it's the right time to push forward and how how you deal with the growing pains that may determine the future of your business. So getting overwhelmed by growth, this happened to me. If you've listened to any of my earlier podcasts, I talk about how how I grew my business and how I went from one UPS store to two UPS stores to five UPS stores. And we had growing pains with all of that. And the thing is, is that we knew that we wanted to get bigger. We knew that we wanted to take on more UPS centers. And in this whole process of doing that, we had huge growing pains. I mean, huge growing pains. And when we did this, um, we had to basically redo our business model twice, probably maybe three times when we got bigger. But when I went from one to two, I had to change my business model a little bit. And then I had to change my business model completely when I went from two to five because it's a total different monster owning five UPS stores than it is owning two. Because I could work a store, my wife could work a store, right? No big deal. But when I have five, you have to start trusting people. You have to put in systems. You have to have 
procedures on the way you do stuff. Everything has to be now cookie cutter because you want all your sinners to run the same, even though they're individuals. They have their own individual life because of the employees and the customers. You still want them run the same way you want all your businesses run. That was part of the overwhelming piece of growth that we did have. The second piece in the article is learning to say no. Saying no isn't natural for most people. Humans are innately born with the desire to satisfy others. We prefer to say yes. However, successful entrepreneurs have to love the word no. In fact, you need to say no more than you say yes. You will never get to a point where you are comfortable saying no, but you always have to do it. Otherwise, you'll, be, you'll end up compromising your business at the expense of making people happy. It's an uncomfortable growing pain, but it is one that must be dealt with nonetheless. And I love this. This is pretty, um, pretty astute. The thing is, is that I've learned to say no. And unlike what this article says, is that I've actually got pretty comfortable saying no. Because the thing is, is that when you really start valuing your time and you only have so much of it, and you really understand how much an hour of your time is worth in the business world, you will say no to people. Now, I have a, I have a fundamentally giving heart. Um, I love to give my time to people, but I, I also do not want someone wasting my time. And it's really upsetting when somebody just wants to kind of pick my brain on one little subject, and then they don't want anything else. And I had this happen back about a year ago, and I was really upset because I knew the guy, and he called me up and said he had he was looking to start in a business and everything else, and I spent an hour and a half with him, and he really only wanted me to answer one question, and he did not want any more advice I had to give him, and that was a waste of my time because I could have answered his question over the phone and be and been off the phone in five minutes. But instead, he wanted to take me to breakfast. And, I, and the only reason why I said yes was because I knew the guy. Well, the thing is this, folks. Don't get sucked into things. Find out immediately what meetings are supposed to be about. End up saying no to 95% of it. And only say yes to five. And that may be too much. You may need to say no to 99 and only say yes to 1% of the things going on out there. But in saying all of that, learn to say no. It will suit you and it will help you in the long run. Number three is transforming into a leader. There's a big difference between being an owner and a leader. A business owner looks at things through black and white lenses. Numbers have to be added up. Spreadsheets must be organized. People are nothing more than assets. A leader, a leader, on the other hand, must have both business intelligence and emotional intelligence. Leaders care about employees. They take their interests and suggestions to heart and make decisions that benefit employees, customers, and the business. And this is, I actually want to take this a step further. Not only do you have to be a leader, I think you have to be a servant leader in order to really affect and make an impact on your business and on your community. 
And most people don't understand, as a business owner, do you know who my first customer is? My first customer is actually my employees. My employees, because I, if I serve them well and teach them the correct things, they will serve my customers well. I look at my employees as my first customer. And then the people coming in my doors of my UPS stores as my second customer. Because I always, because I have a vested interest in my employees. I've trained them. I care about them. I want their best. I want the best for them in the world. I do it as a servant leader. Because once I care about them and I pour into them stuff, and I pour in them the knowledge, then they become much more than just an employee. They become something much bigger. Number four, creating a focused vision. Along with that need to become a leader comes the demand for a focused vision. This is the meaningful vision that you write down, which represents the highest agreement among all the people involved in your new adventure. Ken Blanchard, entrepreneur and best-selling author, it is where you, the founder of the organization, declares who you are and what you are up to and why it matters. And I think a vision, personally, really has to deal with your purpose. And the big reason why is it answers the why question. Why are we doing what we're doing? So when we answer that big why question, it really helps us develop this vision of what we're doing. While it sounds neat and easy on paper, creating focused vision is far from easy. If multiple founders are involved, it is tremendously difficult to get everyone on the same page. And that's very true. And this guy writes, writes just a fantastic article. But I want to say this, though. When you have a really good focused vision and everybody puts their input in to begin with, and then one person writes that vision based off of everything, it is amazing. Number five, trimming costs and developing a lean environment. Once your startup begins to grow, you have to find ways to trim costs, develop a lean environment that takes expenses and profit margins seriously. It is never easy to make changes when something is already working, but you have to if you want your business to experience long-term growth. And I, I do agree about trimming costs, but you don't do a ton of it, though. Um, I do believe in developing a lean environment. It's critical. But in saying this, I think the best way to do this, or one of the ways to do this, should I say, is also refining your processes. When you refine how you do things and you get things to working really well and you have a system and then you have procedures and processes on top of that, what happens is that it really makes your business super efficient, just like we have simple talk tracks our people can use to talk about at the very end of the sale how to invite someone back to the store. It's a crazy simple 
example. It's in 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 the same process. We're educating our customers on what we do because at the UPS store we do a lot of different things that most people don't know. They think of packing and shipping. Well, that's not all we do. We also do several other things too, just like notary or faxing or shredding. And so at the very end of our conversation, we ask the customer a question. This is one of our refined processes. This is getting our getting our system lean enough to where we're able to um, educate our customers in a way that will help them. And so this is what we say at the end of our sale. Did you know? And then it's whatever the profit center is. So my example is we're going to talk about shredding. And so it's going to be, did you know that we do paper shredding here? And we be quiet and we let the customer answer. And then our response, and it doesn't matter if they say yes or no, our response back to them is, great, the next time you need shredding, come back and see us. And that's it. It's a simple talk track. Did you know whatever the profit center is? Great. Next time you need whatever it is, come back and see us. That's the talk track. Anybody can do it. I love this talk track. When we talk about trimming costs and developing a lean environment, we also need to talk about refining our procedures and making the best of our time also. Number six, hiring the right people. Most entrepreneurs start the hiring process with people they either personally know or have some sort of direct connect to. The easiest, fastest, and cheapest place to start. However, every successful startup it's a point where convenience is no longer preferred over quality. Once you come to this phase, you need to start seriously looking at your hiring processes and how you acquire talent. There are plenty of schools of thoughts when it comes to hiring talent for startups, but following three insights, you already need to pass the growing pains. Always start by gauging the interest of anyone you interview. Are they interested in you as you are in them, hire based on potential, not experience. While experience does matter, you're looking to move forward, not boast about the past. Always share your vision with potential hires to gauge how they connect with it. And if you can get these three right, you are able to hire and retain top-level talent as your startup enters periods of growth. And hiring the right people is definitely a biggie at least for me, and especially when you're talking about either, like in my organization, management positions, the right manager in one of my UPS stores is key. It is absolutely key. The thing is, is that, and you can develop people, but some people only want to go so far. They only have enough potential to get them to a certain point. And once they hit that brick wall, you can't develop someone anymore. And as a leader of your company, you need to understand when also hiring good people, but when to let the wrong person go. And we've learned over a period of, God, 19 years now, that once when we hire somebody that isn't a correct fit with us, we have to let them go 
as quickly as possible. It is one of these things that if we don't, we end up hurting other people inside of our company. One wrong fit can hurt your entire company. It's it's the craziest thing. You know, they're talking about one bad apple can ruin ruin the whole barrel. It's true. It, it is so, so true. So whenever you're building your teams or your team, make sure that you start hiring the right people for the right jobs. And the best way to do that, I mean, he's got great insight, insight to this, but I'll give you a prime example. So here, let me give you a great example of this, okay? So if I'm looking, so I also have a Christmas decorating company. And in September, we start placing ads to hire people. People lie all the time to try to get a job. And so you really want to make your ad really fit what you're doing. So ask a bunch of why questions in the ad. My example is this. So I'm looking for people to work outside and decorate um, houses for Christmas. The ad goes something like, do you like working outside? Question mark. That's a question that, that I put in the ad. Do you like climbing trees? Question mark. Do you like being on ladders? Question mark. Do you like... Uh, being on roofs or climbing, being on roofs, climbing ladders, these kinds of things. Ask these kind of questions. Do you like being on roofs? And what happens is, do you like, do you like being adventurous? Are you afraid of heights? When you ask these questions in the ad, there's going to be, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people that's going to say, no, 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 no. Because if I say, hey, do you want to put up two Christmas decorations? That appeals to a lot of people. But if I but if I start asking questions about the things that are hard about the job, like do you like climbing ladders? Do you like being in trees? Do you like being on a roof? Are you afraid of heights? Do you like working outdoors? If people can say yes to all these things, what happens is that you get a much better defined candidate come coming in because they already know up front that they're coming to this job knowing what these potential, in my particular case, potential dangers are and what we're looking for. Because we don't even say anything in the ad about putting up Christmas decorations. They call the ad. They call the number. And then we tell them what the job is. And so this is a really brilliant way to do some things, especially when you're hiring people. Ask a bunch of questions about the things that are, you know, that that are, is good, but also ask questions that are not that are a little maybe a little bit dangerous about the job or maybe something that is not the most pleasant that people that you are all the time having to get people to overcome. It's that's one of the things that you got to do. And so Make sure your your ads are really good. The next thing is, number seven, learn when to delegate. Most entrepreneurs like to be in control. While control is necessary in the beginning stages, there comes points where delegating becomes a priority. It may feel weird, uncomfortable, out of place, but you have to make the transition from doing everything yourself to letting others whom you trust 
take on important tasks and responsibilities. If you get the right hiring process, you shouldn't have any issues with this. This is very true. When I first opened up my first UPS store, I'm going to give you my example on this. When I first opened up my UPS, my first UPS store, Lenore City, Tennessee, I worked that store six days a week from open to close for probably the first year. Yeah, I would say almost the first year. Um, I started taking off some Saturdays here and there, but it, but I mostly worked six days a week from open to close. And sometimes I would stay over to do my QuickBooks work and some other stuff. I mean, I was a one-man show. And I had a couple of employees, two employees and me. And I didn't trust anybody at that point in time. And I realized that if I was going to have, if I was going to free up some time, I had to actually trust my employees that they would do the right thing and move forward with this. It's It was so vitally important that I had to be willing to delegate and be willing to let go of some control because I was trading time for money and then I started trading employees for my to get my time back, to get my people. So my people were giving me my time back. And I ended up hiring about three people. Um, and what had happened, and it, and it took a while. I mean, it was a big thing. I remember when I got married, and the week I was gone on my honeymoon, I had one of my employees, right before I left, I had I had my employee checks in a filing cabinet right next to my desk, and I always kept it locked. But I got up and went to lunch, and while I was gone to lunch, my one of my employees snuck in and got a check from the back of of my stack, and I think he wrote it out for three hundred dollars, and he went and cashed it. He had his friend at Ingalls cash it for him while I was gone on my honeymoon, and then he went and bought a bunch of drugs and got highs a kite while I was gone and was coming into work like just his just obliterated. I mean, he was just so stoned or I, I don't know what drugs he was on, but I know he went and bought a bunch of drugs. And that happened while I was gone on my honeymoon. And so I had to actually deal with that on my honeymoon. It was a, it was kind of a pretty crazy time, but still though, you still have to trust people. Um, and I, I really love this is a trust but verify stuff. And that's the reason why within my UPS stores, we have major security systems and protocols put in place to make sure that my employees aren't stealing from me. And it's a really big thing. And, and, it, and it happens. I mean, it happens probably, I don't know, every two to three years, I get an employee that steals from me that I had to fire. It just is. And and the crazy thing about it is, is that I, I very rarely ever take someone to court over stealing from me because it costs me more money to do that than it is just to fire them and move forward. But that there is the one thing you really do have to trust your people and understand that people are going to let you down and people, some people are going to end up being... Uh, not trustworthy, and then those people have to go to the wayside. It's just part of doing business. Number eight, willingness to pivot. 
there is usually one major difference among many minor ones between experienced entrepreneurs and those with their first startups. Experienced entrepreneurs understand that the first idea isn't always the best idea. In other words, you must be willing to pivot when your initial idea or concept does not work. This is one of the more painful growing pains an entrepreneur can experience, but also the most critical. It doesn't feel good to give up on your idea, so you have to look at it in a different light. Instead of viewing it as giving up, look at it as transitioning. You're using experience that you've gathered to make an educated shift that will benefit your business in the years to come. And I really love this. I I really love the idea of pivot. And pivoting is, is, is like, is on the fly. This is something that's happening in your business. But with pivoting, too, you also need to look at what I call insight to your business. And you need to also be looking at trends in your trends, basically in the market, but also inside your industry that you're working in. And so in saying all of that, that's when you have to pivot. And so, like I I said earlier in this podcast, I read a lot. I mean, I just read all the time. And the reason why is that I'm looking for things in the economy. I'm looking for things on the news. And the news is not always truthful, but but you can find, if you look deep enough and hard enough, you can find some truth out there in certain things. I just don't necessarily listen to a lot of the major networks anymore, uh, any of them, because because they're all biased you know, one way or one way or the other. And I don't, I'm not looking for bias. I'm looking for truth. That's all I'm looking for is truth when it comes to the economy and the world and things of this nature. And it's really hard to find sometimes. But if you start setting out and you find some 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 articles or some organizations out there that are just based on truth and not on bias at all, and you're able to pick and choose these things and you figure these things out, especially within your industry, you'll be able to see <clears throat> what the trends are. And when you're able to see what the trends are, then you're able to pivot your business to really make things work well. So in saying that, let me give you an example of Pivot. So a really good example of Pivot is in 2008, I think it's when the uh, real estate market collapsed on us and everything. And also when that happened, the sad thing was is that shipping shipping and packing in my store started to decline. I only had one location then. Um, if you've heard my my earlier podcast, I didn't start growing until 2011. I didn't start getting more locations until 2011. I was still growing my one business, but I didn't grow to multiple locations until 2011. And I realized that my shipping was was faltering some. And so I looked at my other profit centers that I was able to offer, and I looked at printing because everybody needs business cards. And I realized this, and I started doing some research on printing. And when that market collapsed, the thing is, is that people started doing their own, people started going to work for themselves. They opened up their own businesses. And a lot of it was like mowing grass or, you know, any kind of handyman work. What, what all, 
all kinds of things happen. The thing is, is that I realized that business cards were the one thing that was going to start adding money to my bottom line. And so we switched and we started focusing on printing instead of shipping and packing. Now, we still did shipping and packing, but we started talking to all of our customers about printing and especially all of our business customers about business cards. And we started running advertisements and things about getting business cards. It was buy 500 business cards, get 500 free for $50. And this was back in 2008, 2009. And it was a really good deal. And the thing is, is that we grew our business tremendously because we seen what was happening in the market. We seen our sales dropping and we immediately pivoted to something, to a profit center that we started focusing on to increase our sales. Number nine, manage the work-life balance. How do you handle personal responsibilities on the home front while also giving your undivided focus to your financial success of your business? Surprisingly, it's this growing pain that hurts a lot of us otherwise successful entrepreneurs. This one has a way of sneaking up on you until it's too late. By setting priorities and staying organized, you can manage this balance and give both the attention they desire. Growing pains do one of two things to entrepreneurs. They either overwhelm them and cause them to give up, back down or alter their vision or team with new lessons and allow them to better understand their business and industry. It's sort of like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mantra. And that... It's just it, it it's just really that's so true. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Anything that makes you uncomfortable and forces you to grow is productive in the long run. And he's so right in this article. the The thing is, is um, it's 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 really interesting. So I'm going to give you my last little story. I know this podcast has run a little longer than I wanted it to, but this is really good. So when I started growing from one UPS store to two UPS stores. It just ate up my life. It was just the craziest thing. I was working one location. My wife was working another location. And it was just, we were just working, working, working all the time. And then when we went from two to five UPS stores, because I bought three in one fell swoop, well, it made us change our business model. When we changed our business model, we really had to rely upon other people. We really had to start trusting other people. And when we did this, we started implementing. So we had to have a manager in every location now. And then we had to have somebody manage those managers because me and Mary Ellen couldn't do it all. There was too much stuff going on. And so we created all these um, procedures and systems and the great thing about it is that as we produce these things, and it took us about a year to do, but at the very end of that year, and I think this was the beginning of 2013, we realized that, hey, I'm spending, I'm not spending time in stores anymore. I'm spending time working on my business. And when I was not spending time in the stores because the running of the day-to-day operation of that store fell upon the managers, not me anymore. It made me realize that now I've got more time. 
And so if you create systems, procedures, this right here will alone help you free up your time and give you better work-life balance. You have to make time for your family. You have to make time for your business. Unlike other people that work a regular nine-to-five job, is that as entrepreneurs and business owners, we're in the business 24-7. The business is going on no matter whether we're open or not. It's still a 24-7 thing for us. 365 days a year. It never stops. And it never stops. And the thing is, though, that's a good thing. But you also have to realize that you need to turn off at some point from business mode and turn and then turn your attention to your kids and things of this nature. It doesn't mean you can't go back and forth. It doesn't mean that like this weekend, I've got a volleyball tournament with my daughter. It doesn't mean that I will not answer a business phone call this weekend during this tournament. It just means is that I am spending time with my daughter. I'm taking her to these tournaments. I'm there for her. It doesn't mean that I can't slip away if I need to for five or 10 minutes. It just means that I know that I have a balance on what I'm doing. So folks, I hope this was super important to you. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And you know what? I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in and have a fantastic day, my friends.